Welcome to the Higher Ed Huddle Hot Off the Press podcast, where we bring you the latest higher ed news and stories twice monthly. I'm Joe Trano, and I'm joined by my co-host, Chase Good. We are with Barry Dunn's Higher Education Management and IT Consulting Team. Chase, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, Joe. How are you? I'm doing well. It's uh, It's been a few weeks since we uh, we last recorded an episode. Um, I think last time we talked about um, the Santa story, and I think we started a little bit about AI. Um, there was an article about a consortium, but I think um, this episode, you have an article on AI, which is really interesting. So I'm looking forward to hearing about that. And I'm going to bring a story about um, enrollment growth we're seeing uh, across the community college space uh, nationally. So uh, two really interesting topics, certainly uh, relevant today uh, with AI, obviously. And uh, with the start of uh, the fall term for many community colleges, I think the, the enrollment uh, news story is relevant as well. So um, those are the two topics we're going we're gonna to cover today and looking forward to it. So um, why don't you get us uh, started with uh, the AI uh, story? Yeah, absolutely, Joe. And um, so this is uh, kind of the first part of a, a two-part series that we'll be doing on AI uh, for the next two podcasts. Um, but a new study found that uh, more than a third of students used ChatGPT uh, last year to do uh, their homework. Um, no surprise. The universities. Yeah, I know. It's, it's really been everywhere recently. Um, but this is a survey uh, from Intelligent.com of more than a, a 1,200 undergraduate and graduate students that had uh, some pretty interesting takeaways. And so among those were that, you know, 35% of the students that they surveyed uh, said that they used ChatGPT for schoolwork uh, during the past academic year. And so most of those uh, respondents said that they used it for uh, English or writing, but then the, some of the other you know, common subjects were uh, for chemistry and biology, approximately 47% of uh, survey respondents said they used it for that. Um, about three quarters of those who used ChatGPT said that they would recommend it to other students. So interesting um, to probably see that trend over the course of the coming year. Uh, if will, you know, other students will, you know, if that if that number will increase, um, especially because the the most interesting takeaway from my perspective on the survey was that um, one in eight students who used ChatGPT said that they saw um, their GPAs increase over the course of the past <laughs> academic year of approximately half of a letter grade. So coming from that C plus range to a B minus range is the one uh, that was cited the most. But it's interesting so that there was, you know, a positive benefit for some students, at least one in eight when it came to, you know, the effect of chat GPC on their actual academic performance. Um, but even still, 80 percent said that they saw no change from using the tool. So I think it definitely is a case by case basis might be a little bit skewed towards the lower end of that academic performance uh, scale. But regardless, um, you know, very interesting to see uh, the, the usage of chat GPT, especially as it's been. Um, such a popular tool, uh, recently speaking. Um, but, uh, you know, based on that, I was also curious to see what other uh, AI learning tools were available for students who, you know, might be looking to take a different route to education than um, might, might be otherwise recommended. So, you know, there are some very common um, or, or larger AI models that are being used for um, a variety of different purposes. So, you know, Google has their Google Bard AI, there's cloud AI, um, as well as Bing's AI chatbot. Um, but among those that are specific towards higher education, 
Uh, Textero is one that was coming up pretty frequently around um, you know, it creating engaging writing content um, with specific stylistic elements that you could include. Um, Writer is an industry specific um, AI bot that can produce, you know, different articles. And then, you know, something as simple as like an essay bot, which can create structured and research uh, original ideas, or at least original sounding ideas. And a lot of those are more specific towards the English and, and writing literature classes. Um, but there are also, you know, artificial intelligence engines for math and science, you know, Site GPT, Gini AI, Interactive Mathematics, Mathly, and even some design specific for, specifically for homeschool and K through five education. So honestly, the, the thing that has stood out to me the most is just the sheer number of vendors that are offering these different platforms and the different use cases that they are marketing for their AI uh, chatbots. And I think it, it'll be interesting to see in the coming years whether or not we see you know any trends in the marketplace because a lot of these tools are free um, and a lot of them have different, um, let's just say, maturities uh, in terms of how how capable they are to, to build off the prompts that people are you know putting into them. So um, I guess the question that I have for you is where do you see the AI market going? How do you see it changing? Thinking about how other technology markets have changed in the past, do you see a consolidation maybe happening or is a vendor, you know, uh, you know buyouts or, or other you know, mergers and acquisitions on the horizon? What do you think is going to happen with the, the AI chatbots? Yeah, it'll, it'll be interesting to see what happens. I'm not sure if I have the crystal ball that will... Um give us insight into what's going to happen. But I think, um, you know, just based on my experience and what I've seen over the last 30 years with, you know, um, software development and new um, new types of software, I would, I would definitely um, think there's going to be some type of consolidation. You're going to see some tools that are not popular go away or fade away or get, get consolidated or purchased by larger, um, larger players. Um, I think uh, it's it's going to be interesting to see how higher education kind of responds to the the maturity of, of these tools, and, and they're really tools. And so, I think about the the calculator when the calculator first came out, and I wasn't around. I I don't think I was around back then, but um, I think HP maybe in the I'll probably get this wrong, fifties or sixties came out with the the calculator, and I imagine there was pushback in the higher education space um, that it would give, you know, students the ability to cheat on math or calculus or, you know, those type of um, topics or, or um, classes. So, and it really did, I think it kind of forced higher ed to react differently and how you teach students about that, really teaching them more or less how to use those tools. And I think that's going to be, something we see with AI is we're going we're gonna to find out that it's probably more important to help students understand the importance and the limitations of these tools and really the power of these tools and really incorporating that into wh whatever majors or degrees they're seeking. I think, I, think it's the, I think the future will have AI in it. I don't know what AI is going to, you know, what footprint it's going to have. But I think I think we miss the boat if we don't plan for that and we we don't consider incorporating 
learning about it in higher education. Um, that's that's my thinking about it. Um, any reaction to that? You know, I think you said it pretty well that we're going to start seeing it more and more. It's here to stay. We're not going to be avoiding it. Um, it's really just a matter of adapting at this point. How can how we can do that efficiently and how we can stay ahead of the curve is, um, you know, I think having these conversations is the first step in that. But ultimately, I think the, we also need to be aware of the regulations that are be, that will be coming out that will affect this industry overall, because I think that's something that we really haven't discussed a ton is what is everybody else thinking about this? What and what is the government thinking about these kinds of tools? Because as they become more mature, as they learn to do more and more things and create better and more realistic um, outputs, then, you know, the risk is going to increase. So. Yeah, it, I agree. And um, it's, it's likely going to impact uh, all industries um, in, in a similar fashion, I think. It's it's gonna it's obviously gonna be very disruptive, um, and there isn't we we just we don't know enough right now. It's such an, a nascent. I know that AI has been around for years, um, but it's starting to hit mainstream and it's starting to have applicability in a, in in a lot of different. It's it's just it's out for the masses now, and everyone's racing to develop these tools and to give everyone. Uh, access to these tools and it's it's unbelievable how many tools there are i mean there's hundreds um i'm bombarded by these news clips where they introduce these new tools and um it's it's just so much so fast right now um but i think at some point it's going to shake out it's going to settle down and i think you're going to have some um some tools that will take the lead and really developing um you know, features and functionality that really provide a lot of value um, to industries and higher ed is going to be one of them for sure. Um, but there's just, there's so many unknowns right now. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's going to be interesting to see what happens. And I think your point about regulation, I think is going to play a big, a big role as well. Um, I think we need to bring, bring some caution to the table and not rush uh, into, um, you know, jumping on on some of these AI tools so quickly, but really understanding what the impact is. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I think we can talk about this forever. Uh, there's just so much to kind of dive into and uh, and really uh, peel back uh, all these different layers. Um, I mean, we. Um, we, we haven't really talked about the faculty side. I mean, your story was about the students, but it would be interesting to maybe hear a little bit about the faculty aspect of all of this. I imagine they're feeling um, threatened a little bit that some of these tools, you know, what, what they're creating. So I, I don't know. It would be interesting. Yeah, and I think that's going to be the story that we um, plan to go over during the next podcast is really around some of the AI tools that are being used to detect cheating, especially in an academic scenario, um, because as students use these tools more and more, um, I think there's an equal number of faculty who are looking for ways to kind of catch on and, and get ahead of uh, yeah. you know, some of those efforts. 
Yeah, I agree. And I think we also have to look at different ways of testing our students. The old ways of testing may not apply anymore, or we need to change our, our thinking a little bit more around how we can test students um, in, a, in a way that um, doesn't negate what they're using the tools for. And what I mean by that is, let's look at ways where we can test them on how how good they are at using the tools, for example. And that's just one example. But um, obviously, we need students to learn to write on their own versus having uh, AI tool do it for them. Um, but we'll, we'll see. Certainly a good point. Um, and I, I imagine there's um, there's a lot of opinions out there. So um, it'll be interesting to hear what, um, you know, what others have to say about this going forward. Maybe I can see us having maybe a student or a faculty member on a pod, future podcast just to get their perspective. That would be kind of cool. Absolutely. Anyway, thanks for bringing that, that story, Chase. Um, I have a story from Inside Higher Ed. This was uh, released today. And it's about community colleges, modest enrollment growth. And the article cites um, three themes. And I'll just touch on the themes at a very high level. The first being the economy. Um, the second is CRM and student outreach efforts. And the third, free college programs. So um, the, the article starts with uh, a few data points on enrollment growth at community colleges, the first being Wake Technical Community College, had its largest ever cohort for fall um, last Monday and celebrated uh, the historic uh, enrollment growth with just over 24,000 students. Um, and this was a, uh, a large increase uh, compared to um, the enrollment drops that they had in 2021 and 2022. So in 2021, they had a 10% drop and in 2022, they had an 8% drop uh, in enrollment growth. For this year, uh, Wake Technical Community College had an increase of 10%. The uptick uh, of enrollment across the community college nationally is up 0.5%. Um, and that is something that we're seeing across the community college landscape. And as I mentioned, um, the economy is uh, one of those initial themes um, that was cited in the article in that um, with the, uh, the pandemic behind us now, um, the, the demand for jobs during the pandemic has started to slow down. And so now you're having people going back to college um, for classes. The uh, job uh, market isn't as strong as it was during the pandemic. So that's one of the, the significant uh, themes that's driving the enrollment growth. The other is um, the article cited uh, a few colleges, uh, colleges throughout the, um, the U.S. that have started implementing new CRMs as well as new student outreach programs uh, in terms of um, like focus on industry-specific programming. Um, and that has, in, has shown an increase in community colleges as well. Um, and then finally, the free college program. So um, there's a number out there, I, which I wasn't aware of. Uh, Massachusetts has something called Mass Reconnect. It's a, a new free college program 
starting this fall for residents ages 25 and older who don't have college degrees. And then there's other free college programs such as Michigan Reconnect, Columbus Promise, and Tennessee Promise, which uh, which offer similar types of programs. And they have similar floods of applications when they launch launched these programs just in the last uh, two two to three years. So the upward enrollment trend um, is is something that we're seeing nationally, and uh, we'll continue hopefully to see this um, over the coming years. Um, What's interesting is that this is a trend that we're seeing that's coming up against something that we've been talking about for years now, which is the enrollment cliff. And so we're anticipating a, a big in, uh, enrollment drop in 2026 around that time based on the lack of students coming out of high school that are eligible to go to college. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. And I wanted to see what your thoughts are. Do you think this is a trend that will continue? Are we looking for other ways to kind of uh, avoid the enrollment cliff? Well, what do you think about that? Well, I think there's a lot of macro trends at play here and trying to part the headwinds and know which way is blowing the strongest is certainly not the easiest thing. I think that from the three themes that you shared, it does make a lot of sense why there's been kind of an upsurge in the enrollment, especially at the community college level. I think some of the other things that you were talking about that I was thinking of were, you know, first, how does inflation, how does the rise in inflation that we've seen recently um, affect community college enrollment? You know, are people looking at the, um, you know, jobs that you used to not have to require an associate's degree for as no longer being able to meet the needs of, you know, rising prices and the inflation trend. So is that, you know, also encouraging more people to go back to school and get more, you know, education, things like that. Um, the other trend that I think, you know, might play a factor in, in this enrollment cliff is how the increase in some of the um, international students and some of the immigrants into the U.S. might, you know, impact that curve and that population trend that did decline during the pandemic, but has since, you know, rebounded quite a bit, both from international students and, you know, those entering the U.S. And so I think that it's going to be very interesting to see. I don't think that all of those combined will necessarily, you know, prevent the enrollment cliff from, you know, some of its impacts, but it might help, you know, lessen those impacts later down the road if some of those positive trends are able to continue. I think ultimately the biggest trend that will, you know, determine whether or not we continue to see enrollment increase is the value that individuals place on the education that they are receiving. If that if that continues to increase, um, then, of course, you know, enrollment would likely follow. However, as the pandemic showed us, um, people aren't always as confident in the benefits that a college degree might bring them. So I think that'll be something else that we want to keep close eye. Yeah, those are really good points, Chase. And I'm, I'm curious if, if we're going to see an increase because of AI, are more people going to go back and get reskilled in uh, AI type of technologies that's going to be required uh, to continue? I mean, we have no idea what the the um, the job market's going to look like five years from now. I mean, it could be drastically different, um, and it, it may require people to be retooled or might 
require people to go back and, and get a skill set, for example. I don't know. But it'll be interesting to see what happens. But I agree. I don't know if it's enough to um, to reduce um, or avoid the enrollment cliff that we're, we're going to see. Um, I think, I don't know if we mentioned it, but certainly it's related more to population um, numbers. And I don't... I don't know if you can make that up, but um, you can, I guess you could, you can make it up from um, new students uh, eligible, like, you know, your traditional college student coming out of high school and ready to go to college. However, you can make that up with others going back, other like non-traditional students going, going back to school. And I liked what you said about uh, international students. So maybe, um, increasing the number of international students coming into the U.S. to go could certainly help institutions. I know that they were hard hit by the pandemic, um, and I don't know if those those levels are back up to where they were pre-pandemic, but it could be a potential um, saving grace. I mean, there's a lot of people in this in this world, right? So could certainly open it up and get everyone uh, outside of the U.S. to come to the U.S. to go to school. Anything else? I think it's, I, I think that's good. I'm looking forward to the um, the next podcast um, in two weeks to get part two of the AI that you uh, you brought today, and uh, we'll keep an eye on um, the enrollment uh, piece. I think uh, maybe finding uh, some stories on the enrollment cliff would be helpful to unpack a little bit, just to understand what that what that's going to look like. We haven't really talked about that in, in quite some time. So it would be good maybe just to revisit that. Um, so with that said, uh, we want to thank our listeners for tuning in to the latest news in higher ed. And uh, if you wish to read more about the news items, please refer to our show notes for links to these stories. You can find our podcast on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, and Google. Check back in two weeks for more higher ed news and stories. Until then, stay well. Stay well.